Hiya, I'm Alfred, the Connect Pastor at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Kia ora church, it's great to be with you again. Uh, if you're watching on your own or you're with a small group somewhere, maybe a house church, which by the way, are just super cool. They're awesome to reconnect, to connect, to feel a sense of belonging with actual people. And I guess church has never really been about watching, hasn't it? It's really been about participation. It's been about togetherness. And so um, may the Lord bless you. And we're going to have a great time in the Word today. If you are a visitor and you've just dropped by, Welcome. We're so glad you came on through and we hope you remain with us and I hope the word will really uh, encourage, uh, teach, um, move us all forward closer to God today. So shall we get into it? Why don't we start off by playing a little game? An image is going to come up. All right. Now, what do you think this is? Is it a planet? Well, actually, it's a lake that is being looked at through the lens of a binocular. Interesting. What about this one? What does that look like to you? Why don't you throw out a name? Just discuss it amongst yourselves. What do you think that might be? No, it's not a sunken boat. It's a broken car antenna on a windscreen. <laughs> Number three, let's try this one. Play with me now. What does this look like? A cigarette? No, it's a post that fell over uh, during a storm. And here's the last one. This is kind of cool. Have a look at this image right now. Does it look like the guy's wearing high heel boots? It does look like it, right? But he's not. It's just the angle uh, of the photo and the style of chair and the placement of the shoe, and it makes it look like he's wearing high heel boots. Here's my point. Some things are not as they seem. And that's exactly the same for a little lady in chapter two of Joshua. If you remember, we were in a series called Crossing Over and we're back there again today. And next week, we finish out the series with Pastor Nelly. What about this little lady I'm talking about? She didn't have much, but she tried to make the most out of life. And even when things got tough, she always found a way to put food on the table for her family, even if that meant selling more than a warm bed to lay in. This little lady never really wanted to be involved in prostitution. It's just something she had to do to provide for those that she cared for. And she saw how other women were looking at her with scorn her entire life. There was no place for her among the righteous and among the influential. She lived right on the edge of society, literally. Her house was actually built into the outer wall of the city, which meant that she was at a distance from everybody else. I didn't want to be near her, but also because she was on the edge of the wall of the city, she was vulnerable to attack, first of all. 
For so long, she wanted something to change. For so long, she wanted someone to look at her with value and not think of her as just another body for hire. And she'd almost given up until one day, opportunity literally knocked at her door. Two men came to her door. Two men were there. They hung their heads really low. It was obvious that they didn't want to draw attention to themselves. And she could see why. Because they were Israelites. A huge Israelite army had set camp over across the Jordan River a few days ago, and all of Jericho were talking about it. They'd heard about Yahweh, how Yahweh had done miracles for the children of Israel, and they shook with fear at this unstoppable army that was right outside of the border. And she, this little lady, had two of those spies knocking at her door for a place to hide. Her gods had never done anything good for her before. Maybe Yahweh can help her. If she was found with Israelite spies in her house, that would be the end of her. Dangerous, yes, this was a dangerous thing, but if Yahweh can make a path, a dry path through the Red Sea, maybe he can make a path for me, thought this lost woman of ill repute. And as she took these two spies into her house, she could see across across the, the city there, she could see other women talking to the king's guards. And so she took, she took the two spies and she quickly took them upstairs to hide. And, and the king's men came and they knocked at the door and she told them, a, shall we say, a righteous lie. She said they, they left, they left the city gates and they ran after them. But really what she'd done, she hid them up there on the roof. But the soldiers, they believed her and they chased the spies. And once... The king's guards, the soldiers were in the distance and it appeared to be safe. She went upstairs and she got up on the roof to the Israelite spies and she said something that's incredible, very surprising and unforeseen. Joshua chapter 2 verse 9. Let's turn there and I'm reading from the New King James Version. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. Now here are the key words. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. Of course, the story is that of Rahab, the prostitute. And I want to call the sermon, 
am I saved? This little story that I just read out to you, the story is filled with surprises. I mean, the two dudes go to a prostitute's house. Is that surprising? Well, maybe not really. It was probably quite strategic because her house was a public house and therefore people, men, were coming and going all the time. So maybe it was a smart move. What was really surprising is that she took the enemies into her house and she lied for them and she was risking her own life. She had never met them before. And maybe an even greater Surprise is this Canaanite woman had become a, a monotheist. She had, she's believing in the one true God. You see, Canaan was a polytheistic society. They had a myriad of gods, and to some of these gods, they even sacrificed live human babies. That's how wicked and evil they were. But these spies were super surprised that this woman, this Canaanite woman, was a monotheist. But here is the clincher. Here is the biggest surprise of all. This is like a gob-smacking moment. What you see in the text is Rahab's direct confession of her faith. She believed that God had given Israel the land. She believed that it was God who dried up the Red Sea. And then the big one comes in verse 11. She says she believed that God, he is God, in heaven above and on earth beneath. Do, do you see her confession? It's repeated and it builds up to the pinnacle of her confession that he is God, your God, the Canaanite, the, the Israelite God, Yahweh, he is God in heaven and on earth. Clearly, her words and her actions demonstrated a sincere faith. She believed and she trusted God for her salvation. Wow. They did not expect this. The spies did not expect it. But the same could not be said for someone else in the bigger story. Do you remember just two weeks ago on the 10th of April, I shared a message from Joshua 7 and 8 about a gentleman called Achan. We're going to do a little contrast between Achan and Rahab because it's stunning, the contrast, and there's a powerful message in it for everybody that's listening today. They're two vastly different characters who end up in a role reversal. So Rahab, she's an, an inhabitant of Jericho. It's a Canaanite city bound for destruction. God had to go and destroy Jericho. Achan, on the other hand, he's an Israelite and he's received, along with everybody else, promises of land and abundance and prosperity. Rahab was apparently a pagan. Achan lived in the center of the favored tribe of Judah, and he was wealthy. She was poor. He was wealthy. She is a female. She is underprivileged uh, in that patriarchal world, but Achan is a male. He's privileged. He's of the privileged gender of, of, this, of his patriarch, patriarchal world. 
Rahab had spies in her roof. Achan had accursed things in the floor. Let's keep going. Rahab went from being cursed, clearly, to being blessed. But Achan went from being blessed to being cursed. Rahab was a person of no importance in society and was expected to be swept away with the rest of the city, but she did not. Achan is an honored Israelite bound for a life of prosperity in the land flowing with milk and honey, but he did not. She, of course, the obvious point here, she is a prostitute, the lowest and most dishonorable of professions of the day, and he, Achan, was a select warrior. Do you remember he was amongst the 3,000, the hand-picked elite 3,000 warriors? He was amongst that and in that special military operation against the city of Ai. These two characters and their fate shed light on each other and they make the same essential point, but from two opposite ends of the spectrum. They both demonstrate that nobody can presume that they are saved on the basis of bloodline or good deeds. It's a stunning reversal. Rahab becomes a full member of the people of God and Achan is executed as if he were a pagan Canaanite. Can you see what I'm trying to say today? Can you see the glaring contrast between these two? One should have been here, but they've ended up here. One should have been there, but they've ended up here. Who is the one who will enter the land of promise on earth and in eternity? Who is the one who's going to enjoy the goodness of God here on earth and and learn what it is to walk with God and have faith and hope and peace and love and security? And who is the one who's going to have eternal security? The answer is the one who has a saving faith in God. What is saving faith? A person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Now, every word in that statement is super important, but but one of those words is kind of hard to define. What does it mean to be saved by faith? Most assume the word faith is more or less the same as believe. But the Bible is careful to communicate that it is not. James tells us in chapter 2 that even the demons believe. They believe that God is holy, that God is just, that God is merciful, that God is sovereign, and so much more. They believe many great truths, but they are definitely not saved, right? So what do we mean when we speak of saving grace? Well, careful study of the New Testament seems to indicate that the Bible, what the Bible means by faith includes at least three things. Belief, trust, and obedience. Let's look at belief. Belief is clearly part of what it means to have faith. We know that classic scripture in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And, and, but many have incorrectly taken the scripture that word believe to simply mean mental assent or head belief or just a, a piece of fact, a knowledge. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe. But, and, and actually, the, the translation of it could probably be a little bit improved. And it should, some would say, more accurately be said, believe into him, not just believe in him. Believe into him. Paul tells us that genuine faith lives in the heart, not just the head. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saving faith includes deep, passionate belief in our hearts, not just a mental assent, not just head knowledge, not just an intellectual faith. It's an active, believing heart faith. It's beyond just the essential facts concerning the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But saving faith has more than mere belief. It also has second point, trust. The word trust implies a personal application and commitment. It's one thing to mentally believe something and agree with the facts, and it's another thing to trust in something or someone for your own life and salvation. Remember Nicodemus? He knew all the facts about Jesus, but he wasn't willing to trust him for salvation. Saving faith is a faith that has made a decision to trust, not in our own works, but rather to trust in Christ who justifies the unsaved and the ungodly. A saving faith will always produce something else. And I think many churches forget this point or they don't go and highlight this point. Not only a belief that belongs in the heart, which is expressed by trust, deep personal trusting in God, but also number three, it should, these two things, belief and trust, should produce obedience in our life. James, the Apostle James, is very concerned that genuine belief and sincere trust, the key elements of saving faith, that it will produce a growing obedience in our lives. In fact, he says, faith without works is dead. We're not saved through works, but works confirm their evidence of sincere faith. If someone truly believes in God in their heart and they trust God for their salvation and their life and there's no change, there's no fruit, then, friend, we have to question whether it was saving faith or just mental assent or some religious spirit. Faith without works is apparently not a saving faith. It's deficient. It's sub-Christian. It's un saving. And this teaching goes right back even to the words of Christ himself when he says in Luke 4, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? If we were to put these all together, if we were to put these three elements of saving faith together, we could say it this way in one simple statement. Saving faith is belief in who Jesus is Trust in what Jesus has done, resulting in obeying what Jesus said. 
Maybe an illustration might help just to bring further light and clarity into what I'm teaching today about saving faith. I want to introduce you to this gentleman, Charles Blondin. He is one of the greatest acrobats of all time. This guy began his training at age five years of age, and within six months, he'd already earned the title, The Little Wonder. The Little Wonder, sorry. Outstanding among his feats, his many dangerous feats, were the exhibition on 1,100-foot-long tightrope stretched 160 feet above the Niagara Falls in Canada. He crossed the falls several times, always with different theatrical variations. One time, can you believe it? He actually went across with a blindfold on. Another time he went on stilts, and here we go, Here's, this tops it all for me. He pushes a wheelbarrow over on another occasion. True story, you might wanna Google it. Once he even set up, on, went on the tightrope, and he went out there and he cooked an omelet. Crazy guy. But one incident, shines above them all. After crossing the falls one day, Blondin asked the gathered crowd, who believes I can successfully cross over the falls? And the crowd roared with one voice, totally convinced, we believe. Blondin then said, who is willing then to get on my back while I cross? The crowd went silent. Finally, one brave man responded, I will. And the man climbed on Charles Blondin's back up onto his shoulders and they walked successfully across the falls. That one brave man had real faith. The crowd had mental assent. The crowd thought, they said, we believe in their head, but none of them were willing to put skin in the game. None of them were really willing to challenge their confession or belief. They didn't have what I'm going to call saving faith today. Rahab, this little lady from Jericho, she had real saving faith. You know, if you read further into the story in chapter 2 of Joshua, for her to be saved, ultimately when the Israelites came along to overpower Jericho and take over Jericho, she'd, they'd done a deal that her family, her, herself and her family were going to be rescued. And this is what the spies said to her. Please leave a scarlet cord hanging out your window and that will be a sign to the army of Israel to save you. A scarlet cord. That scarlet cord is symbolic of the saving work and person of Jesus Christ. That beautiful scarlet cord is symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ, our only righteousness, the only person who can truly offer salvation, the gift of this beautiful thing called salvation. Rahab's faith in God saved her from death and our faith in Jesus Christ saves us from spiritual death. Rahab had real saving faith. Friend, I want to tell you today, less sins won't save us. It's only saving faith in Christ alone that will save us. Regardless of our past sins, God offers 
salvation. That's what we're trying to say today. It doesn't matter if they're big sins, small sins, many sins, few sins. It doesn't matter, friend. It doesn't matter. The Bible says if you've broken one of the commandments, you've broken them all. There is nothing we can do to be right with God. It is only the sacrificial lamb. It is only the perfect and righteous lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. We place his faith in him. He pays the price. He satisfies the laws of God. It's in him, through him. It's a gift from him that we can be saved. Friend, less sin won't save you and me. And equally, the more religious deeds that we try to do won't save us. Going to church won't save us. It's a good thing to do, but it won't save. Giving money to the poor, any kind of religious good deed won't save us. Achan did all kinds of good things, but then he disobeyed God. Rahab did all kinds of things that were against God, but then she finally placed her faith in God. It wasn't her deeds that saved her. It was her saving faith in the works of God. It was a scarlet cord. Big deeds, small deeds, many deeds, few deeds, regardless of deeds, it can't save us. Can you see this? Do you see that it's all Christ? It's by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. It's, it's all Him and it's a gift. It's salvation. And I think some of us just have to stop trying to work and build up and somehow justify or feel that we're saved and somehow impress God, somehow feel if we do something inside, we're trying to impress God or make ourselves feel better. These are all just forms of self-righteousness and they don't work. And if we're honest, we'll realize that. We have the same filthy hearts after all of our good deeds. The same filthy heart after lessons. Even the very motivations for doing these things can be filled with pride and self-justification and self-righteous friend. It's only Christ that can save us. It's a gift for us all. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And this is beautiful news. This little lady, this prostitute stuck on a wall, totally dissatisfied, totally broken, finds God, finds salvation in God and her destiny, her path, if you will, her journey is totally reversed. Friend, God can reverse your life. It doesn't matter how bad things have gone. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how far you've gone and sin and darkness. Friend, God can reverse your life. He can alter your life. He can create beautiful destinies out of desolate pasts. He can take the broken pieces, the mess, and make it into a beautiful message. I find this just incredible. And by the way, Get this. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, you'll find in the lineage, the genealogy of our Lord and Savior Himself, you will find Rahab. Wow. Prostitute. In the lineage of the Son of God. And then if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, if you look there in the hall of faith, there's our little lady Rahab. She's right there. Through faith in Christ, her life completely changed and she landed in the hall of faith. She found herself giving birth to, and, and, and having generations who eventually brought forth 
Jesus Christ. What am I trying to say today? It doesn't matter how you begun the race, it's how you finish. Are you trusting in the work of Christ or are you trusting in your own performance, your own religious deeds? Friend, I want you to see today that it's only through Jesus Christ. I wonder today, have you come to the point in your life where you're willing to put your faith in Christ? Am I saved? Well, for me, I can say, yes, I've experienced saving faith. I've experienced it and it's transformed me. How about you? Are you willing to believe in Him? Are you willing to trust in Him? Are you willing to obey Jesus? You may feel you don't deserve it and you are correct. Just like Rahab. But God offers salvation to you freely. You pay nothing. He paid everything. Salvation is free to you. It's a gift. Will you accept His gift of salvation today? If you've come to that point, you've come to that point you want to turn from sin and turn to faith in Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you are willing to relinquish any attempt at self-righteousness and cast yourself upon the mercy of God and totally trust in Jesus Christ and His work, I want you to pray this prayer after me as it comes up on the screen. Dear God, I am a sinner. I confess to you. What I want you to do there is to the best of your ability, name the sins that you have committed. Name the sins that the Holy Spirit now is convicting you of. Let's continue to pray. I ask you to forgive me from all my sin. I want to turn away from sin and place my faith in you. You alone can save me. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to trust you and follow you. Come Holy Spirit and live inside me and give me a new heart and a fresh start. Thank you for this gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website at www.everynationauckland.city For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.